0: Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or walmart.com. Welcome to the VBAC link. We have a story for you today coming from Minnesota. And we have our friend, Sarah and Sarah, tell me, did you have your babies both in Minnesota or have you moved since
1: Yes. Both in Minnesota,
0: both in Minnesota. All right. So Minnesota parents, listen up. This is a wonderful episode in your area. As always, we have a review of the week, but first I want to talk a little bit about COVID-19. So we have I mean, we were just talking, Sarah and I were just talking about this, how we've seen so many COVID-19 stories coming through. Like they had had their C-section through COVID-19 or even had their VBAC during COVID-19. And then now they have gone on to VBAC. And there's definitely a trend of situations that we're kind of seeing. So I'm just so curious today, go comment on today's episode and let us know if you have any relation, but a lot of providers are wanting to induce if you have the virus COVID nineteen, and Sarah, that was kind of the case with you, right? They wanted to induce because you had COVID nineteen.
1: Yes, that was the the kind of standard of care at that point.
0: Yes, well, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting, right? To think about this new standard of care, and I really am curious to see one day what the cesarean rates did during covid 19. you know there's there's some evidence here and there on it but i'm really curious to see what the cesarean rate did because we do have a lot of people saying that they were induced because they had covid and then they ended in a cesarean so we're going to talk a little bit where she's going to share her birth and her induction story that then led to her VBAC. but of course we have that review and it is by raving uh, sorry, I'm probably going to say this really bad, but I want to say it's a-, a bay and the t- the title is confidence. It says I found this podcast at 34 weeks pregnant and it helped me gain the confidence to fight for my chance and get a view back. Hope to submit a success story in a few weeks. I guess what? This was also during 2020. So raving a, a bay or a bay-a? Um, if you haven't submitted your story, we would love you to. And as always, you guys, we're always accepting stories. We definitely kind of record in chunks. So know that if it takes time, that doesn't mean you haven't been chosen or you'll never be chosen. But if you want to submit your story, go to the vbacklink.com slash share.
2: You are tuned into the VBAClink podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform it is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional here is your host megan
0: hey everyone this is megan preparing for my vba2c was pretty lonely at times this is why i along with julie created a facebook community for all the parents preparing for their VBACs. you can find the link to the community in the episode notes today Or head over to Facebook.com and search the VBAC link community. This is our safe space to share our stories, tips, and advice on how to achieve a VBAC and ask each other questions. Just remember, studies show 60 to 80% of people who attempt a VBAC will be successful. We're here for each other on this journey. To join, go over to Facebook.com and search the VBAC link community and start feeling the love and support today. Okay, Sarah. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am so excited. I am so so excited. Well, tell us more. I'm about tell us more about this 39 week induction and <laughs> and why they were saying it was the new norms, the protocol, right? Yes. So at this
1: time, I was working full time in the hospital where I gave birth as a radiographer and X-ray tech.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So I was kind of, you know, in the world a little bit, and it was definitely not a fun time to work in the hospital. And yeah. I actually tested positive when I was eight weeks pregnant, so very newly pregnant. And so the, I was seeing family med for my provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they were doing at that time, they said, okay, this is, this is what's going to be different. You're going to meet with a high-risk OB who specializes in COVID. And then I would have growth ultrasounds every four weeks. And then also they were recommending this induction at 39 weeks. So when I kind of asked about that, what she said was that they had seen issues with the placenta and that's like the uh-huh. research that they had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, I actually looked back on it now and I think in the study, they, they really only had 16 pregnant people.
0: Mm-hmm. So that was
1: kind of what they were basing this all off on.
0: It's um, just like really nothing
1: <laughs> yeah to and,
0: start making a protocol so wide ranged you know right yeah. right
1: and actually right now um, my sister in law had covid and she's pregnant and she had covid at the same time I did at 8 weeks but now it's 2023 and they don't they're her doctor is not they're not doing the growth ultrasounds they're not recommending induction she actually has nothing different with her current right now pregnancy
0: Mm -hmm. which I
1: find kind of interesting.
0: Interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But again, it can range. We didn't have, and like, it's interesting because they were like, oh, we're going to have you with this, this provider who specialized in COVID pregnancies, but like, how does someone specialize that fast?
1: Right. And, mm -hmm. and it was actually, so the person that was the specialized person was like the highest up
0: person Mm -hmm. in
1: the department of OB. So
0: Okay. Yeah. Definitely a specialized OB.
1: Right. Yeah. But I actually only ended up meeting up with her one time because if there was anything abnormal, that's when I would go to her. But my pregnancy was completely normal. I had no issues related to COVID or related to anything else, which was obviously a blessing but, yeah. but kind of also a bummer because now I'm going to have this completely unnecessary induction at 39 weeks.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Um she did mention at the time that if I wanted to go past 39 weeks, I definitely could make that choice, but that she would have us do NSTs, which mm-hmm. now, you know, after learning so much and being where I am now, I would have been like, okay, let's go longer and do NSTs, but at the time with the first time parent, I was like, yeah, that yeah. sounds kind of weird. I don't know. Let's just do what you
0: think. <laughs> right. Well, and it sounds intense. And it's like, wait, all these extra visits and you know, it's, it's a lot. It sounds like a lot, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. So otherwise
1: about that pregnancy, being a first time parent and having this medical background, you know, it's no surprise, you know, probably that my attitudes towards the doctors were that I, you know, completely trusted their opinion and knowledge with especially with, with the COVID stuff, because it was so new.
0: Oh, yeah. And um, scary. Yeah, definitely.
1: But I was completely unaware that there is like such a wide range of ways to treat pregnancies and so many different attitudes on how to, how to birth babies. Mm-hmm. I, I was just clueless to the whole thing, you know, about the cascade of interventions and why do inductions have an increased risk of C-section? I completely clueless to it. I'm just used to oh, with a doctor, you know, you have a certain condition and there's ways to treat it, and that you know it was very narrow. But with mm-hmm. birth, it's like wow, there are midwives, there are you know doulas, there are so many different ways that to treat someone's birth and pregnancy that I just was woof over my head. So when people would ask me, you know, oh like, well, why are you having an induction? And kind of give me that like maybe they had a little bit of oh maybe you shouldn't do that to it, you know? I right. I was like oh well why wouldn't I when they say that's the best thing to do for this COVID situation, you know, that kind of was, for me, it was like, oh, they know better than me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But, you know, I think you say it all the time, you you don't know what you don't know.
0: You don't know what you don't know. (laughs) And you can't judge yourself for not knowing what you don't know.
1: Yes. I had definitely had to work through forgiving myself for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You have to take the information, right. And, And I think I've talked about this too. Like my husband had said this, like we, took the information that we were given and made the best choice that we felt that we had Mm -hmm. with the information provided. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's what
1: you did. Yeah. And honestly, it's funny now, even just for preparing for birth in general, take away the COVID part. It's kind of funny how I did basically nothing to prepare for birth. I just focused on my registry and, you know, other things like that, like after the baby got there and it was kind of because I had this like, oh, if I go with the flow, I'll have the best outcome. Mm. I don't want to put too many expectations on myself. Mm. I don't want to pressure myself. I'm just going to go with the flow. I don't know how my yeah. body's going to handle it, which does have a place. Like there is there is a goodness to that. But I think yeah. I was a little too extreme where I was like, my mom had C-sections. You know, if that happens, it happens. Like I was just very, just, it's going to, you know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And now I'm like, I, I look back at it and I'm like, Well, now all I did was just have no tools in my toolbox to deal with pain or labor or or resources to help make those hard decisions that I was going to have to make. I just had no, no back, you know, nothing in the background to help me with that. So that's why tools in your toolbox. (laughs) Exactly. So that's why it was very different for my second birth. But at that time I was like, okay, whatever happens, happens. I don't know what's going to happen to me or how my body's going to take it. So we'll just see what happens. Yeah. (laughs) So I was scheduled that 39 weeks on a Monday. And actually that Friday before they called me and said, Hey, do you want to come in early? Like we have a lot of people scheduled on Monday. And I was like, Oh, I'm excited to meet my baby. I'll go in even earlier. It's
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> and even though that weekend we were actually moving into a new, our new house an hour away. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we actually spent one night at our new house. And the next day we drove back to Rochester to have our baby <laughs> but we were so excited you know and yeah absolutely I wasn't thinking about anything else so so we kind of we were scheduled for a 7 p.m appointment that Saturday then and we got there um and when I got there I was completely zero percent dilated closed 100 mm. like zero 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 negative three station furthest from Not ready, ready to have a baby yeah no. <laughs> so they started me with side attack overnight. And in the morning, they placed the cook catheter
0: and then they started
1: Pitocin right after. I faintly remember like watching Beauty and the Beast bouncing on a ball, but that was the extent to any movement in my labor. Like mm. I said, I didn't prepare for anything. So, you know, I just was like, oh, bouncing on a ball. Everyone says that's good. Yeah. But yeah. Besides right? that, I, I didn't do much. So, but what did start happening was the baby was having D cells, not liking the Pitocin. So, I had to get moved from side to side, and I was laying on the bed, and you know, yeah, not the best position to have that baby not be so high up, right? <laughs> but then by ten a.m., they took out the Cook catheter, so I was, you know, four centimeters dilated. Things were moving along, but then at eleven, they had to turn down the pitocin because again, the baby was still not tolerating tolerating it mm-hmm. very well. So, and then I felt a big pop in my belly, and I was like, oh is this what it feels like when your water breaks? And I was yeah. kind of excited. I'm like, oh, I, that sounded like a balloon popping. So they came in and they were like, oh, no, your water didn't. We don't see anything. Your water didn't break. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my oh, okay, okay sh- sure. So then a half hour later, they came back in because they had to turn actually off the Pitocin because the baby still wasn't oh. happy. And they checked me and they're like, oh, there's all your water. And it like all gushed out on them. So I was like, okay, well, at least I know that I can trust my intuition, even though you didn't quite believe me,
0: <laughs> yes. but I'm not
1: crazy. <laughs> it did break,
0: <laughs> but
1: the contractions were getting really intense at this point. I tried laughing gas didn't really work. And I, at that point I decided, okay, I'm ready for that epidural. I feel like I've gone yeah. as far as I can with what I prepared, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was nothing. <laughs> and I actually found out this after the fact, but at this point they actually gave me medicine to stop my contractions like tributaline um, or something yes exactly they gave me that at at this point but i actually have no recollection of this but when i looked at my i was able to look at my records after the fact and i'm like oh i never knew they even gave me that so mm. apparently they gave me that to stop things because they're slowing down or whatever yeah so i was about five centimeters dilated at this point and they placed the epidural which went everything went smooth with that and then an hour later they were like oh we're gonna start the pitocin again and i was like okay. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was five centimeters at that point. And then 40 minutes later, they checked me and I was nine centimeters.
0: Whoa. So, so your body went into total relaxation mode. Yes. Dilated. <laughs> yes.
1: yes. I was like, oh, that was fast. And then they had just sent away the doctor. They had to call her back. And uh, shortly after that, I was at 10 centimeters ready to go. And this is when they had me start pushing. But one important part that I know now is I don't remember ever feeling like pressure or the urge to push or anything like that they were just like okay it's time to push
0: yeah
1: okay (laughs) so I did end up pushing for about three hours I I think they they did let me try a few different positions they tried to turn down my epidural to help too Mm. but she never really progressed um past that zero station Mm, so never really nothing was happening and so and I was just I was mostly on my back for all of it yeah
0: Um,
1: you know I remember them saying that they would let me push like for the most for four hours, but at the three hour mark, I was exhausted. I felt like we had made no progress. You know, you just kind of, I was just like, nothing's going to change in another hour at this point for me. I don't know what I'm doing. You try to tell me how to push. I still don't know. (laughs) I just, yeah.
0: Yeah. You're just
1: like, I'm tired. Exactly. And then they were, they were beginning to be really painful, the contractions. And I, again, didn't have a way to cope with them. The pushing wasn't working. So I consented to the c-section i just remember feeling so defeated just crying being wheeled into the or and my doctor stayed right by my head and talked to me um, until my husband was supposed to come in but at this point they were trying to um because i kept saying hey i feel these contractions are strong so they're trying to give me all the medicine to numb me enough and then so they're doing the the prick test to to make sure that i couldn't feel it and i just remember it was really hard because my nose was plugged up from crying so i felt like i couldn't breathe anyway and I wasn't sure about the pokes. I was like, they're sharp to me. I, I feel them and they don't feel like pressure. They feel sharp. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to put you under. So then they uh, put the mask on me. I breathed in and went and to sleep.
0: You <laughs> to, and you were gone. Yep. So and then there, was your husband angry. probably never came in then? So he did get to go in the OR as soon as they had the, um, as soon as
1: they, or she was born, they let him go in. So he was all gowned up. He was in the OR and he kind of tells it like, Yeah, it was so weird. I looked over and there you were on the table, you know. He I'm didn't sleep. He wasn't so close to me, but yeah, he yeah, I was sleeping and he yeah. and he did get to do skin to skin. They let him do that in the OR, which is really she nice. Uh, they yeah. got a bunch of pictures of her getting weighed and him cutting the cord in there. So it was nice to have that some of those pictures that I could look at, look back on. Right. Um, that's something.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So well, it helps you relate to yes. like- Mm -hmm. when you're not, when you're not awake. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It was definitely a weird experience, (laughs) but when I did like come to, apparently I had been awake longer, but you know how that works when you're, I mean, when you're working with anesthesia, it's kind of a weird, but apparently when I woke up, they told me, I was just like, where's the baby? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? So they like rushed me back Mm -hmm. and I don't remember any of that. But when I do, what I do remember is when I woke up, my throat was like so sore. Mm -hmm. It hurt so bad. But she was on me and she like latched immediately and started feeding. Oh. So that was really special. Um, yes. Just how she was able to eat right away. And she, and I didn't have any problems with that, which was really nice, which I know can happen sometimes. So That's basically like, that. Part. It's like
0: an unexpected ending in a less ideal situation, but then to come out and have things work out really nice was mm-hmm. probably really healing and comforting.
1: Yes. I think that definitely like, you know right away. I was definitely happy. You know, she was healthy. I was okay. She was eating, but I remember, you know, like just recovering from a C-section, you know, you're kind of in a fog. I remember my legs being in those machines to keep the blood flowing, have Mm -hmm. your catheter in, having my sore throat, my, I mean, whispering to talk, getting some, you know, that kind of thing was, was definitely not a fun recovery in that aspect, like right immediately after. Yeah. Uh, And I actually had a really weird thing. Is that my knees? I had problems with my knees, which oh. I have never heard anyone else talk about this.
0: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like while being wobbly and strong. So, what anything? happened was, like, once they took out the catheter,
1: and like, then, you know, they, they give you like the clear, like, okay, it's time to try to go to the bathroom for the first time. And like, when I tried to stand up, my knees would just buckle. So, oh. like, the first day I had to have two people assist me mm. to go to the bathroom. And like, the second day I was also a two assist. And then slowly, like they started to like, not always buckle. So I was in the hospital for, I think, four days, um, yeah. four or five days. And so eventually I was able to, they wouldn't buckle. But when I got home, they would buckle when I went upstairs and I did fall twice. Um, oh. But they they slowly, get, they, they did get better. And it was fine. It was just like, if I would unexpectedly like take a step, like my cat scared me and I stepped and it, then I would fall because my like my knee wasn't expecting it. I don't know.
0: I just I just looked it up because I'm like legitimately yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it says acute lower limb compartment syndrome after a cesarean. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. So it can happen.
1: Interesting. It, yeah. yeah. I, I was just kind of assuming it was like a mix of me being numbed from the waist down for hours and then my legs being up in the air for hours and then being in the C section and then also laying down. You know what I mean? And then that you know something with that but no doctor or anything ever said anything to me about it they're just like oh okay that's weird
0: (laughs) yeah really Mm -hmm. really interesting it says it's rare oh like it's (laughs) pretty rare so you get to be in one of those rare groups but thank you for sharing
1: (laughs) yeah so otherwise like I hadn't really fully processed the birth, but every time I would tell my birth story, I would kind of get choked up or cry. And that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, maybe I didn't really like that very much. Because at first you're so happy that, every, you know, the baby's okay and you're okay, you know? And I actually remember right afterwards, I was like, oh, okay, well, for any other baby, I'll just schedule a C-section and at this mm. time it'll be planned and I'm going to be awake for it. Right. You know? Yeah. So I honestly wasn't even thinking about me back right away. I was just like, well, you know, future will be easier. It'll be fine. But when my daughter was around six months old, I started to listen to The Birth Hour. Yeah. And I found myself searching C section stories, looking for things like mine, which led me to hearing VBAC stories, searching those out and finally finding the VBAC link. <laughs> so that was like the big game changer. So I'm so appreciative of you guys having this podcast and, and you keeping it going on and all that. And uh,
0: absolutely.
1: Such. An inspiration. Um, And I learned so much just even from both podcasts about interventions, doulas, birth teams, and most importantly, trusting in a woman's body. And it kind of leads me to this big thing. It's like, why do we have to go through some sort of trauma to become an advocate for women and educate ourselves? I feel like that's such a theme.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's so true, though. It's so true. Like, why do we have to go through a really crappy experience? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always have to be crap. Like I'm not saying no, like, no, crappy, <laughs> it, right? Exactly. But like, yes. <laughs> but like a big experience to have passion and to feel to feel that motivation right. behind that, right? Yes. Yep. And sometimes it,
1: it's so hard because it's like if anyone, when you talk to someone who hasn't been affected by this kind of like situation where they you know doesn't go their way in the hospital or right they kind of it kind of sounds like a conspiracy theory it's like you can't trust the doctors but I that's know. not what we're
0: saying and it's, it's so
1: much more than that it's
0: it is so it I, really is and it's, it's not even just in birth mm-hmm. like truly right like right like my husband does not do what he does i think mainly just because he just didn't like want to do it one day it was like hey this really unfortunate situation happened to someone I love and mm. I want to be available in a different manner to help them or help mm. anybody else. And so he took on his profession, right? It's like IBCLCs. I'm sure a lot of yep. them have had unfortunate or poor nursing mm. experiences and are like, we want to help other people have better experiences. Yes, because it's it's the
1: information that oh, wow. I mean, it makes complete sense that, oh, things might go a little better if you let your body naturally do right. it. Or, you know, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Or, <laughs> yes, It makes sense that, oh, if I have someone who's, you know, trained in positioning that, oh, maybe if I move my body this way, I can get my baby in a better position to come out yes. better. You yes. know, oh, that makes sense. Why didn't I know that? Like, why didn't my doctor say, hey, there's some positions that'll help. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's confusing to me. It's like, well, that makes sense. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Yeah. So obviously, you know, me, I I just dove right into all the VBAC stuff and learning all about that and listening to different stories. And I was super excited for my next pregnancy because I had made the decision, yes, I'm going to go for VBAC and I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Um, and I was ready to do all the things to make it more successful. So we got pregnant when my daughter was, you know, I think around 15 months old. So we wanted a two year age gap and they're both two years apart in April. So yeah. that worked out for
0: us. Perfectly. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> and so the things that I did to make it more successful, I mean, they're all the things that people on this podcast talk about, but for physical things, it was, you know, workouts that focused on birth prep. I didn't do anything crazy, like walk every day, miles and miles. Like I'm, I just did the minimal, which is, you know, just doing some exercises um every day, you know, her hips opening, cat cow, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the mile circuit, you know. Later on in pregnancy, every day I ate my dates, every day I drank my tea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think the biggest thing too, also, is the mentally preparing though. So for mentally preparing, you know, I got my doula, and I really love that the doula does the meetings before the birth. I didn't even know that. You know, listening, you know, when I had heard people talk about doulas, mm-hmm. but you know, meeting before and talking about what birth plan I wanted, what things your, your desires know, exactly and what things could happen. I'm like, this would be so helpful for a first my first time parent to know all this stuff. Yeah. I wish that I had gotten, you know, her with my first but also just talking about what are coping mechanisms, what are some positions that we're gonna do, talk about scenarios. It was great. And then I also for mentally prepare for mentally preparing, I did looking up a bunch of different coping mechanisms. So I actually did hypnobabies. I wasn't consistent with it with the meditation though, but it was just very helpful to practice the breathing and visualization. Yes.
0: That's I um, did too. I did it as well. Oh yeah.
1: I never I was really bad at the meditation. So that didn't that that didn't stick with me, but it was just really, really great to practice through the breathing and
0: all mm-hmm.
1: that. Yeah. Um and honestly just listening to the birth stories is mentally preparing because I really only focused on positive stories towards the end of my pregnancy. I was like, okay, now we're the home stretch. We're just going to stick to all the positive ones. And then the big thing for me too is finding my provider. So I joined the VBAC cesarean support group on Facebook way earlier and everyone had all the recommendations of who to go to. And my provider is actually family med, but he is more like a midwife. Actually, my doula said that he's actually more crunchy than a midwife really as a family in the head he's like yeah for all the births that she's attending she she said he's more hands-off than a midwife
0: wow. i'm like wow that's cool
1: um, and what's great is that he attends all of his births so there's no rotating call schedule there's no you know which is huge gonna be there um yeah. and he's very trusting of women's bodies and i but i did i did my due diligence and i you know i asked him about you know how how often have you personally seen you know a uterine rupture? Mm-hmm. How often do you use the vacuum? How often have you done a episiotomy? So just you know asking him all the things and he had really really great responses and I felt really solid with him. So,
0: which is really um, important, right? Yes, to have and, those conversations also, <laughs> like yes. know that when they come in and they say, "Hey, do you have any questions?" It's really okay to ask questions. Yes, that's the big thing
1: and. So because he's not an OB, I had to go do a consult with the OB that he works with in the hospital. Mm, yeah. And so after that, I mean, because the OB that works in the hospital, like he, he wasn't definitely not fear, fe- making me fearful, but you know, there's a certain form you have to fill out that says, Hey, mm-hmm. obviously if you're successful with your, with your toe lack, that's going to be safest, the safest option for you. But if you're not successful, that's the least safe. You know, right. so it does kind of, it's easy to plant doubt. But after I saw him again, I, I asked my provider, How often do you see it? You know, and, and it was such a small, small amount. And, and he, since he's the, one of the VBAC go tos, I, I felt very confident with him. And it was really nice to kind of have that fear taken away in that way. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is kind of interesting. And just for fun, I I did message my previous provider at my old hospital just to see like what she'd say about like my chances for a VBAC. And I I actually messaged her before I was pregnant, and I said, "Hey, I'm kind of processing and struggling from my C-section. What do you think about my chance for a VBAC?" You know. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just, it was just like on a message. So, and she what she said was, you know, you did everything you could. At that time, to have her vaginally, but she just didn't fit your pelvis for whatever reason. And mm. we think of fitting as a lock and key situation; both pieces have to work together to open. So there's no way to know if a future baby would ever fit your pelvis better than she did, mm. you know. And then she kind of went on, and I had that, I'm like, nope, I'm like, nope, I'm not taking that in.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: but like, I just think it was. Thanks interesting. so
0: much, but no thanks.
1: <laughs> exactly, I'm like, I don't think she didn't fit my pelvis. That's not. Mm that's not a thing But she...
0: so, you know it's an easy thing for people to say or yes. diagnose it's like oh well you know your baby was perfect you were perfect but the two together didn't really match that time right you know and that doesn't yes. necessarily mean that's true right or you know we just don't know but yeah again yeah because we, again
1: we can't go back in time and have you try something different yes yes <laughs> but I think it's interesting then that she said that. So, is, but yes, then again, I, I talked to my doctor and he's like, oh yeah, like, great. Let's do it. Let's do, you do know? it. Yeah. This, yeah. Like, you know. So otherwise when I'm preparing and ac- this is the kind of funny thing too, again, at first I didn't actually have any intention of trying to go unmedicated Oh, at, fr- at first. Okay. So I was like, I definitely want to be back, but like, I'm not trying to, you know, I-, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just like focused on the back part. Right. But once you hear enough birth stories, you know that if I do all this preparation, I go for as long as I can without this intervention, right. I'm going to have the best possible chance of a healthy vaginal birth. And if it still ends in a C section, it's because that was what had to happen. Right. Not because I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't, right. you know. So yes. that's when I was like, yes, okay, it makes sense for me to try. I- I should just try to go on medicated. Like I should just do it. <laughs> and if whatever happens, happens. I still am keeping my go with the flow, but mm-hmm. with a lot of preparation. So Yeah. It was kind of funny because when I would tell people that, oh, I'm trying to go on medicate, you like, know, people won't say the craziest things too. Like, oh yeah,
0: right? Like <laughs> what? Like I I couldn't I, I could never. Yeah.
1: Yes, or I know someone who did and it was the worst thing they ever chose yes. to do. They said, never do that. And it's like, well, I know I've heard many, many stories of, you know, people doing it right. and very happy with the outcome. And so I, I definitely like right before like I was 37 weeks, I was like, I'm gonna read Ina May's Guide to Childbirth because I everyone talks about it. Yeah. But I just wanted to like focus and hone in on those unmedicated birth stories. Yeah. And just say, How did you guys do this? Like how was it successful? So that was really helpful. I really liked that book. That was really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really like it too. Yeah. So
1: otherwise in this pregnancy though, um, I physically felt really good. I got Braxton Hicks contractions, which I didn't have in my first pregnancy. So that was definitely new. <laughs> yes, It <That'd> was be <laughs> uh, exciting. It was exciting. I was like, okay, yeah, every birth is different. You know, mm-hmm. that was another hypnobabies thing that stuck with me. It's like, each baby is different. Your yep. birth is going to be different. You know, Every, yep. you know. So don't let that other one creep in on your, you know, that fear creep in on you, you know. Mm-hmm. But at 33 weeks, I found out the baby was Breach. So that was scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. Throws, yeah. Throws you for a loop, right? <laughs> yes.
1: So when I found out that he was Breach, I immediately messaged my doula and she gave me spinning babies exercises to do every day, you know, and I was making sure I was sitting forward and all that, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then I went to see a chiropractor first. And then she also gave me this massage therapist who was trained in that breech balancing massage. So oh. I went to both of those and the baby was flipped at my next appointment at 35 weeks. Yay. So I was very happy. And the actu- the coolest thing with the massage therapist, because I, I guess not a lot of them in, in our state, I'm pretty sure she's maybe the only one that does this breech balancing mm. massage, um, and she told me, cause I, I actually went to do a follow-up appointment just to, you know, even though he was already head down, I was like, let's just go again, make sure, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and she said that she was treating six other breech moms at the time. And they all had flipped by that when I came back for my second appointment.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: So I, I'm like, if anyone, I'm always on the groups and I'm like, if anyone needs, if anyone's breech, try this, try this, spe-
0: like the specific,
1: specific massage. um, breech balancing massage. Yeah. Cause it's, it's really interesting, like this, listening to her talk about it. Cause she's so knowledgeable about, Hey, your baby is breached for a reason. You know, you have these muscles that get tightened, like, you know, your, your pelvis is this bowl. And if things are in the wrong position, you know, the baby wants to be head down. <laughs> so right. if I can release all these muscles, you know, make more space in there, even, even yeah. if it doesn't, the massage might not on its own, You know, make your baby flip, but giving your pelvis that space, then you know your ECV is more successful, or you know Mm -hmm. if you do with that. So, yeah. And I was very happy because I was like, I had done all this work and hyped myself up, and I wouldn't want to have to schedule a C-section for this for this reason, you know. Mm -hmm. After all of that, but it 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 happened. It happened, you know. Yeah. So everything was going good then until my thirty-nine week appointment. (laughs) I had a high blood pressure reading. Oh, Uh, so I was like, Oh, great. But my doctor was not worried. He had me do an NST labs and monitor at home. So I came back in a few days and everything was good. So that was nice. And actually the, the day that I went back for that, my follow-up for my, my high blood pressure Uh um, was the day that I got my birth records from, from, they had my birth records for me. Cause yeah. I had gone this whole time. So it was like, I was almost 40 weeks. Yeah. Um. And I, and I was like, you I still really want to see. Yeah. And it just took a long time to get them. And so when I got, cause I had that appointment, I was able to get my birth records earlier than I thought, you know, I, I didn't think I was even going to get them by the time I had the baby. Yeah. Um. And I was able to read through them and kind of work through it. And my doula even like, was like, oh, do you want to call and talk about it? I was like, yes. And I, it was kind of like a fear release for me. Because that night I went into labor.
0: Yeah. After, So
1: I was like, oh, okay, perfect. Did you yeah. find
0: anything in there that
1: you didn't know before? I mean, or- the one thing was that turbutylene. I didn't know about that. Yep. And then mm-hmm. just some of the, I was just curious about some of the dilation. And yeah. uh, And also I-, I saw on my records too, that the surgeon who did my C-section put this candidate is a, re- this <laughs> patient is this a candidate for a, a TOLAC. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Good. it was nice just to like have that like to see that the surgeon who did my C-section put right. that on the note like yeah, they are a candidate. You know. That, and, oh. Yeah, it's helpful. Yeah, just kind of working through it all too was just nice yeah. to like see it in a timeline. So Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then so that night was the night I went to labor. So at 2 a.m. is when I woke up with my contractions. Right away they were 3 to 7 minutes apart, but I had wow. Yeah. And I had had the same situation 3 weeks before where I woke up and had contractions that were like three to seven minutes apart, but they fizzled out and didn't come back. So I had only had that situation like, you know, one time earlier. So I was like, oh, this could be another practice. This could be the real thing, but they were stronger than the last time. Cause that's the biggest thing too, is like, even though they were so close together, they, they weren't, I was handling them so well that I was like, I think I'll just wait this out. Yeah, it's interesting because like, if you're a first time mom, you're like, Hey, this is like four, one, one, you know, I'm, I'm having them have to go. And they're long. Like a lot of them were long, like at least a minute, but they just weren't strong. So I was like, okay, well, I'll wait. <laughs> and then my husband woke up, uh, you know, at 4am and I was like, Hey, I'm having these contractions. Uh, his response was, I better hurry up and go work. I got some work to get done. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so he's like, Oh no, I got to go. <laughs> so then he went, went away to go work on stuff. <laughs> And then by 6 a.m., I was like, okay, I had a couple of really strong ones. So I was like, oh, and then I was also getting back back labor. So mm. I was like, all right, time to text the doula. Yeah. So I was like, hey, this is what's going on. And she's like, well, your back pain might be, might be because of the baby's position. So try to do the mile circuit, eat a good breakfast, hydrate, do all, you know, kind of. Preparing you for a possible long day, you know. I'm like, okay, right. right. sounds good. So I had my bagel with cream cheese. I got my body armor drinks out. But when I tried to do the mile circuit, it was Too so much. intense. I could mm. not. The minute I lay down and I had a contraction in the mile circuit position, the laying down one, it was like, whoa, no, not no, gonna no. happen. I, I'm like, I think this is time for me to like start going into like some some prep mode here. So, yeah. um. So I got my, uh, dimmed the lights in my room. I had my ball, but I actually didn't like bouncing on it. <laughs> so I never bounced. On was it, it uncomfortable? Yeah. For me, like that seated position was uncomfortable. So yeah. for yeah. me, I was in like a forward leaning position. So I was like, I'd lean against the wall and sway, or I'd have my husband come and I would like lay on him and hug him and sway. I'm like, this, this is, this is working out. Okay. But it was really like the back labor was a different aspect that I was like, mm, there's got to be something I can do for this back labor. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, I messaged her and she's like, okay, well, obviously like, have him try to do hip squeezes. Um, but he, he, wasn't, he wasn't really getting the job done with the hip squeezes. So I was like, mm-hmm. no. um, so she recommended a shower to also help us see if, if it's going to calm down or if it will keep going or calm down. So I got in the shower and it was like magic, the heat on the back perfect Mm -hmm. my favorite thing ever but the hot water ran out after 15 minutes and i was oh shoot so sad so the hot water ran out and i was like oh man oh -hmm. my god the shower and i was like okay i was like now we just might have to go to the hospital right now just because i need hot water (laughs) yeah i "I want i want to get in that tub you know that was my like dream was getting in the tub (laughs) right so my doula checked in with me at this point and asked about the shower i was like yeah i think i was kind of in denial because i was like oh it's you know medium intense and you know but they you know they're still happening and she's like okay well maybe you should start heading in as long as they're you know staying three to four minutes consistently for an hour go ahead and start heading in yeah and at this point she also tells me that she is actually in another birth so she's mess <laughs> this then, then she joined cute. me with the backup doula Yes. So she was in another birth and I was like, oh, bummer. But my backup doula ended up being amazing as well. But, you know, when you're preparing Can I just with someone... say right
0: there, <laughs> that is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's usually, if you have to have a backup doula, it usually works out like so well.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah, so it was bump- so
0: good. But like you were saying, as I was cutting you <laughs> off, as you were preparing with someone else,
1: you know? mm-hmm. yeah it is kind of a bummer because you know this person so well and you know you had to work with them but it's honestly like it was it worked out perfectly fine too i really like my backup duo so she's great as well and she told me again because i was like hey well what can i do for now like i'm I, we're gonna head in probably soon but what else can i do for this back pain And she's like do you have a heating pack and i'm like "Ooh, yes so i was putting a hot pack on my back which again wasn't hot enough for me <laughs>
0: Never was. <laughs> a but hot tub.
1: <laughs> it did something it did something and at this point my daughter actually woke up because we're still at home um it's about eight o'clock and she was so sweet every time I'd have a contraction I'd go into my room and like I had my calming music on and my swing and my hot pack and I would do that but then I would leave mm-hmm. and I'd come back out with her and she was just like so sad she wasn't crying but she had these big tears welling up in her eyes and I would hold her and she would pat mm, my back and she's like, oh. she was like, it's okay. Like, it's like, she knew something was going on, yeah. but you know, she was, and I was like, I'm okay. You know, it's okay. And she was just kind of like, what is going on? Cause I was make I wasn't like making a loud, loud noises, but I would be doing horse lips through them yeah, or moaning. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, nothing, I, nothing, I think too crazy, but for her, she could tell something was going on. Yeah. Um, And luckily, my mother-in-law and sister-in-law came over shortly after that, like around 8.30-ish. And so my sister-in-law took my daughter and was like, let's go play. And, you know, so she was good. She was good. And my mother-in-law saved me because she said, oh, well, I will boil hot water. So she got a big pot and boiled hot water and she Mm. put cloths in them and put those on my back. And that was amazing.
0: That That felt really good.
1: Right. So. At this point, like my husband, he probably should have been getting the cars ready for us to go to the hospital. But instead he was like cleaning the house
0: <laughs> frantically.
1: So I was that's like, probably
0: like, his way of coping. Like, oh my gosh, this yes. is happening. I'm yeah. going to go work and then I'm going to go clean <laughs> yeah. the house.
1: Yes. So we're like, okay, it's time. Like we, we got to get going. I'm like, yeah, I, I got to get going. So finally we get in the car. And like my back is kind of soaking wet from these hot towels, but they are saving me. So (laughs) luckily the drive was only 10 minutes and I had my hot towel in there. Wasn't the most comfortable, but you know, we got there. They checked us in and they moved us to triage. And at this point, again, the sitting position was not my position for labor. It was, nope, not happening. So I was always kneeling facing the back of the bed. Like the back of the bed was up, held on to it, you know, and then... When I was in triage, though, I didn't have my coping mechanisms. I didn't have my hot towels. <laughs> so mm-hmm. my next plan that I had was the comb technique. Yes. So, yes. So I had packed a couple of combs and I was telling my husband, all right, your hip squeezes. And he was, he was trying to do hip squeezes, but they weren't working. I'm like, okay, find the combs. And of course he couldn't find the combs I brought, <laughs> but he did remember that he brought his own comb. Hey. So, so I was able to take his comb which now we can say RIP to his comb because I used it. There was little comb tings, whatever they're called, the teeth of the combs everywhere (laughs) at the end of my birth, but it definitely worked. So then every time I'd have a contraction, I was pulling, you know, pushing on the comb breathing as they were, you know, checking me in a triage, but they were able to kind of get, you know, a band on me. They came and they gave, they gave me an ultrasound to make sure the baby was head down while I was in triage. So Mm and then they checked me so the nurse checked me and she when she was down there she was like oh she's like mm, it's really hard to tell how dilated you are because you have a bulging bag of waters and i really can't tell what you're doing she's like i think you're almost complete i'm like okay whoa i'm like okay and she's like well and that kind of a you know she, this whole time she's been trying to call someone on her like radio But they were really busy. I don't know. But at that point, she's like, okay, let's get this room. You know, she's like, I think she's like, I'll just wheel you on this bed. And she's like, unless you want to walk. I'm like, actually, I want to walk. Because I was actually thinking like, you know what? I think I want the bed that's in the room. The triage beds aren't probably as comfortable. That's where my mind was. So I was like, let me just walk. (laughs) So they get me in the room. And again, uh, my doula's is on her way, uh, but she's not there yet. And it's about, I think, 10 o'clock. My doctor comes in and, you know, they, they put the little IV on my arm in case I need any medicine, you know, mm-hmm. they're, and all I'm doing oh, right God. now, everything that, yes, exactly. Everything I'm saying is I just want to get in the tub. This is me the whole time in triage, the just whole time, want I'm like, the water. I get in the tub? I want to get in the tub. The comb's helping, but I want to get in the tub. Um, so he comes and I'm like, Hey, and I get in the tub and he's like, well, you can, but I might, I probably should check you first if you want me to. Um, because if you're really close, like the nurse thinks, then it might be better for us just to, you know, you have to push soon, possibly, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, check me, because then if I'm not, I can get in the tub <laughs> That was <laughs> in the back of my mind. So um, he checked me and he's in there for a while. He's down there for a while. And I'm finally like, okay, got to get out. Like, you know, and he's like, I understand why they are having a hard time. Yes, you have big bulging bag of waters. I can't tell. I can tell why she had a hard time. And I think you're maybe seven or eight centimeters, but I can't tell. She's like, as soon as the water breaks, you're going to be fast. And I was like, sounds like I can get in the tub. And he's like, yes, you can. So
0: like, perfect. Perfect.
1: And this is when my Jula came in around this time. So she helped get the tub in motion because they were like, well, it's going to take a while or we have to get you on these mobile monitors. And she's like, look, she, so she went in and she got the water going and, I was able to get in the tub. Yay. So the only problem is once I got in the tub, I was like, Oh, I think I have to poop, which, you know, are the <laughs> magic. You're going <laughs> to have a baby, but she's like, you can She's like, well, if you want, you can sit on the toilet and see if you actually do poop. And I was like, sounds like a plan. So I, you know, sat on the toilet facing the back of the toilet, you know, had my hands in my comb, my comb was with me uh, everywhere. And then that's when I had the scary scary transition contraction. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was so um I was so happy I had her there because she was saying all the right things, which at this point I can't remember any of them except for her saying to me, this is the hardest part, but it's also the shortest. You are in transition. So when I heard that I was like, okay, that makes sense because I was a little shaky. It, you just feel so out of control, you know. I, I was do. like, whoa. This yeah.
0: is a, oh, I don't know about this. I'm not sure about this. Um, well, you start questioning and like yes. Yeah, it's it's an out it's weird. It is really,
1: yeah. And but she was saying all the things I needed to hear, like, so I, I was good. So then I I was like, okay, no poop's coming. Let's get back in the tub. So I got mm-hmm. back in the tub and then I had a, probably one contraction and then a lab person came to the door and was like, I gotta take your blood. And we're like, uh, okay. And they're like, Well, let's just wait till she's in between contractions. And I'm like, That's a good idea but so she comes in she turns on the light and i'm like this is throwing off my vibe and she sits down next to me and she scans my band and then they're like okay let's wait for the next one so the next contraction came and it was the like my body's pushing i'm pushing (laughs) help (laughs) so i had that like fetal ejection reflex but my water is still intact so it was more of the you know (laughs) water ejection reflex. I don't
0: know. Uh It was pushing me. Yeah, exactly. But yeah.
1: So my body did the thing where it pushed on its own. And I've always heard about this when I've listened to the podcast that this happens. And I was always like, Oh, I want that. Like, that sounds nice. Like do it for me. But I did not like it. Nope. Especially because I was in the tub. Maybe that's why, but I just felt so out of control. I was like, Whoa, I'm not controlling this pushing. Yeah, you know, but I was also very excited because I knew that it was time and the lab person promptly left the bathroom and they never got my blood. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know why they needed it, but they never got it
0: like I know it's such a <laughs> weird like we you need your blood right now. It's like, really? Why?
1: <laughs> yeah, especially when Oh, I'm in transition about to have a baby. I think I think you're okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had that. Um, so that happened. And then my Medula's like, Well, do you think you want to get in the bed? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> if a baby's coming i need to be on the bed <laughs> so again my favorite position even the my tub position was my hands and knees you know not you know um i was draping my hand on the back of the bed kind of in that i wasn't really hands and knees because i started that way and then i kind of ended up like hugging a pillow
0: hmm. it was
1: and like kind of squatting back
0: yeah um, okay
1: yeah and so I started pushing again. My waters hadn't broken yet, uh, which is obviously this is a big thing with my provider. So he is hands off. Any other provider would have said, do you want me to break your water? Like there's, I feel like
0: absolutely anyone, like that, that would have been the thing.
1: So, and honestly I don't. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting that. Nope. I'm just doing it all on my own, what my body wants to do. And I was pushing for about 10 minutes and then, my waters exploded <laughs> they all knew it was coming so they were no one got like drenched but it was so loud everyone was probably
0: a little like sensitive like in that area they're probably like i'll walk yeah. over here
1: yes yes they they expected it my doctor was like i might get drenched but you know i'm ready for it's it it's okay <laughs> but, yeah know, yeah but it was so loud i was i was shocked it was like a gunshot it felt like it was just like bam! like when i was pushing it out you know mm-hmm. so that was great and then I had about, and then about five minutes after that was when he was born. So the waters, I pushed the waters out and then pushed him out and he was, his head was right there and they were like, oh, you can reach down and feel the head. And I'm like, I can't so I had to reach out. I'm like, I'm too, like, my arms are too short. And I'm Aww, like, yeah. <laughs> so then I pushed him out. It was about two pushes, I think. Yes. Right after that. As soon as that water was done. Yeah. He was two pushes after that. So it was about 20 minutes of pushing total. And then that's like nothing. Yeah. And then I got to flip around. They put him on me and I got to have, you know, they didn't cut the cord until, you know, it was done pulsing. They did delayed cord clamping. They did golden hour. So he was just on my chest the whole time. I birthed my placenta, which was fine. And I did have a small tear, which which is something I was scared about with an unmedicated birth. I'm like, oh, that will be not Mm -hmm. pleasant. I hope I don't. But again no idea probably will most people do so it was a very small i guess second degree tear but you know he numbed it beast it just felt like a bunch of little bee stings and you know numbed it stitched it It was fine baby was on my chest for that whole hour hmm. um and what was crazy to me was like after you know i i did consent also to like having the pitocin drip afterwards to get the you know
0: Placenta, it, yeah,
1: uh, well, and yeah, the, the uterus just came yes. down. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I had that, and then once that was done, I was able to just stand up and walk to the bathroom. And it Which was like, so wow, amazing, right? I can just get up and go to the bathroom, and I and I feel, I feel good. I feel fine. Like at, this was about, uh, it was like ten fifty in the morning. So, yeah, I was like at the hospital for an hour and a half before he was born. And then like later that night, around five o'clock, we had family come over and even like come see the baby that mm-hmm. night. And I felt mm-hmm. great as great as could be with you, you know, still normal postpartum stuff, but right.
0: you did just push the baby out. Yes. yes. <laughs> but you but, were knocked out and coming to, and yes, all of exactly. those other things. Yes, Yes. So yeah, that's about it for that. I mean, uh-huh. mm-hmm. yes. Well, congratulations. It's, I'm sure that was a very different experience. I mean, I'm sure both babies, right? We all cherish our baby's births, but to be more present in your baby's birth, I'm sure definitely left an impact. Even
1: my husband, he told me, he said, this was, this was more, he said for this time he he felt like he actually teared up and like, felt like it was just such a more of emotional experience, even for him, you Mm. know? which is completely understandable (laughs) especially because it it was actually really scary for him with the c section he told me you know he they tell you hey we're gonna go put your wife out we're gonna come back and get you and then you're gonna come and be part of it and then you know he's sitting there waiting 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 like i just kind of say hey you can't go in anymore we knocked her out you have to wait here it's gonna be a while and then he just is like oh is she gonna be okay you know he's it was a little scary for him too, that first one. So this was a lot, obviously a lot more emotional and just a really cool experience for both of us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure it was very healing for both of you. Like you said, like that couldn't have been easy for him walking in and seeing you in that manner. I mean, the fact that he even brought it up, like it's weird when I walked, looked in and yeah. he was laying there, but then I'm over here yep. and I'm skin to skin with this yep. baby, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. it was so healing for both of you. Mm-hmm. Huge congrats. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Oh, and another thing to mention too is with the doctor is that because I gave him all my birth plan too, mm-hmm. uh, at, at no point in this hospital situation was I ever, no one ever offered me anything. Like they they knew what my preferences were that they never... Said anything about, yeah, any interventions at all. They never said, Do you want us to break this water? Do you want mm, us to, you yeah. uh, know, everyone was on board. It was great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You really didn't feel like you had to fight along the way.
1: Oh, there was, yeah, there was, it was all supportive, which is yeah. what I wanted, you know,
0: yeah, so, and what you deserved.
1: Yeah. It was really yeah. great to have that. And honestly, I, the thing I also really liked about p- pushing in that position where you're facing the you know, the back of the bed was I didn't see all the people staring at me. It was nice because, not that it would have mattered, but I'm kind of like a social, like anxious in that situation, Mm. you know? So it was Mm -hmm. nice to just be like focusing on my husband's hand holding me. I got my comb, I'm breathing, I'm feeling, I'm like, I'm like in the work, you know what I mean? I'm totally in it. I'm not looking around and, you know, with the C-section having, you know, that, that labor was like, everyone's staring at you and you're like pushing, you're trying and nothing's happening. You know, it it just, it was so nice to just be like here in my world. I never even saw anyone, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes when you see people's faces and then they're, they communicate because they're not wanting to communicate with their mouth. So they communicate through their face. And so when you're just staring at these, all these people surrounding you, then you find yourself like, wait, what are you, what are they saying? What are they talking? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you start questioning and it pulls you out of that space. So sounds like you're really able to stay in that space because maybe you didn't see any of that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And even when I was
1: pushing, it was, it was really hard. Like I'm not, no one, like I'm not saying it was easy. Oh, I'm medicated in only 20 minutes. Like, no, No. it it was, it was, it was hard work and, there was times when some doubts would creep in and I'd say, Oh, what if he's in the canal for too long? Is he gonna be okay? Like, is this, you know, I would it would be easy for those doubts to creep in, but my doctor and my doula were all saying the things that I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, like you're, you know, you're doing it, your body, you know, your body knows what to do, like keep pushing this way, like push like you're gonna poop, you know, that kind of thing. and right. saying all the things like to keep me focused because it would be so easy if you're not ready to give birth to the baby that feeling would be very scary. And you could feel very out of control. And I could see how easy it would be for that to be very, very scary. And having the people there that knew what to say to me and, you know, it it was very helpful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The team is really that powerful though. It really, really is. Mm -hmm. So get a team, If you're looking for a doula, we've got doulas on our website that are VBAC trained and certified and get a good provider who is supportive and loving and willing to, you know, just like uh, Dr. Ryan, like just, yeah, let's do this. Let's do it. You know, like super supportive, right? Like from the get going, yeah, like, okay, we have to have this consult, but like, I'm not, not supporting you by sending you just to this consult. Exactly. Exactly. Yep, yeah, but yes. he's
1: like, this person knows that I do a lot of VBAC, so
0: they've been to this before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, huge, huge, huge congrats.
2: Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the VBAClink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, the worldwide database for VBAC doulas, and more, head over to the VBAClink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.